0: Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now here on SciFiPulseRadio.com, Our interview this week is with the prison breaking Christian Michael Cooper, um, who plays the young son of Michael Schofield and um, Sarah in the uh, new sequel series, which just started airing uh, last week on um, Fox. Uh, so we, we'll just bring bring Christian right on, right about now.
2: Well, what was my father like? My real father.
1: It was like a storm. Appearing suddenly out of a clear blue sky. And then disappear just as quickly.
2: The storms, they can come back, can't they?
1: looks like your brother might just be alive.
0: I need to get out of
1: here. Stay down.
0: <sighs> brother. I'd like to welcome a very special guest to uh, SFP now. We have... Christian Michael Cooper, who we'll be seeing on our screens very soon, um, if we haven't already, on the uh, new Prison Break, um, in which he plays uh, the young Michael Schofield, the son of the of the older Michael Schofield, on, on the show. Hi, Christian. How are you doing?
2: Good. How are
0: you? I'm good. It's, it's really great meeting you. Um, and I guess the first question we have for you is... Um, how did you actually um, get into the acting? Um, because you've done quite a lot in, in very short time.
2: Well, I started when I was first. Um, I, I uh, got my first um, commercial when I was a five. Uh, a year and a half, I mean. Sorry. Wow. And I was just doing commercials, and then when I was five, I uh, I told my parents that I wanted to uh, do TV and uh, film, so I started that. And then a week later, I get the part for um, Cult, where I worked with Robert Nepper in Prison Break.
0: Wow, <laughs> um, you know, it, do do you, do you actually enjoy do you enjoy the uh, the process of acting? Is it you know?
2: Yeah, it's it's really fun just uh, getting to meet people, I think, is uh, one of the main things, and making
0: friends. Cool, cool. Uh, one of your many roles um, actually had you acting uh, alongside the likes of Emily Bette Rickards, and uh, a favourite actor of mine, actually, Tom Cavanagh uh, from Arrow and Flash. Um, in, in, the, in the award-winning uh, short film, Sidekicks, uh, what, what were they like for you to work with? And um, if, if you can, what can you tell us about Sidekicks?
2: Um, they were just amazing to work with. They're so down-to-earth and nice, and they really make you feel comfortable working with them. And what the story about Sidekick is there's a family, and the, the dad gets diagnosed with cancer. So he um, doesn't know how to tell his kid, so he tells his kid in a, with a, in a bedtime story with superheroes. Cool. Kind of like, turning the superheroes in the story, so my dad would be the main, like, Captain Strong. I'm the sidekick and my mom's the princess.
0: So. Yeah, sounds like a cool film. I've, I've never seen it, but I have actually heard about it. Um, you know, because it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, comes up on the radar. Um, in Sidekicks, there are a lot of uh, you know, there the, the would likely have been a lot of effects and green screen. Um, how did you find working in both situations where you're told to react to something that you can't see?
2: It can be fun and it can be a bit challenging. So, like, example um I, like, in Sidekick, I was supposed to be having lightning shooting out of my hands, but I didn't, like, I didn't see lightning coming out of my hands, so... It
0: was kind of, it was difficult, so, yeah. I bet it would be fun, you know, if you could have lightning come out, coming out of your hands, right? Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I wish I could have lightning come out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, another series you've, you've worked on is, is, is a, one, one that we actually get it here. Um, we, we had season three of it uh, just last year. It's called When Calls a Heart. And you actually got to act alongside your sister, um, Ava Grace Cooper. Uh, how did you find that experience, and, and did it feel a little strange actually working on the same project with your sister?
2: I think it was it was awesome to work with her because I I get to like we usually practice our lines together. Um, it's it's fun because. Um, we worked on a, a, a show that just came out in the movie theaters, but it's not in the movie theaters anymore, but um, Edge of Seventeen, we're both in that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so, so so you've actually worked, had, had, had a chance to work for your sister a few times then? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 is there any song like competition between you two of yours?
2: No, we're all very supportive.
0: Mm, yeah, that that's good. Um, it's just that in, in my family, we would have we would have been having bets on who could learn the nines quicker, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, just playful stuff. Um, your latest project is the new sequel series to Prison Break. Uh, what can you tell us about the project and uh, how much of a role do you have in it?
2: I think I have a very important role in this in the prequel. So I mean, not prequel. Um, the TV show because um, I'm Michael Schofield and Sarah's son. It it was just an, a great show to work on. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, funnily enough, went with M- Minga from Prison Break. He's also Captain Cold on The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh was you aware of that connection when when you were working with him? you know because obviously you worked with Tom Cavanaugh and the other guys from um I
2: didn't actually really um know he was in that until halfway through the the filming progress so because I really didn't see him until halfway through the filming progress wow. um after I found out I'm like wow that's really cool I wish I was in a, um, a TV series like that
0: yeah well you never know you know it could happen i mean you've, you've worked with uh you worked with several people from those shows um you know Robert Nepper who you worked with he, he, he played the uh, the knotman in arrow for a while and then uh, and 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 such. So, um, as such a young actor, how do you manage to balance out the work mode with your schoolwork? And and do you have fans coming up to you in school?
2: Well, you know, there's very chill and supportive of what I do. And usually, if I would go to set, she would uh, give me math or um, other stuff to do with my tutor at on set.
0: Cool. Um. You know. So it's um. You know. Is there any of other, other people that that go to your school that are so at? You know. Uh, actors. Yeah. You know.
2: I don't know many people uh, other than my sister that are actors. I know
0: there's one in my sister's class that's an actor. Uh, that's that's all I think I know that are actors. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, it's a very rare sort of like prayer choice. Um. You know. Um, having you know, given that you've already worked with some of Tegavision's big names uh, what would you say has been the best experience so far and what if anything have you actually learned from these people
2: um, I've learned that you always ha- you should always be humble and uh, believe in yourself and uh, never uh, uh, never stop believing in yourself um, and the other the other day I was I was uh, reading one of my interviews to my class, cool. and my said I'm kind of jealous you're an actor, um, and I'm glad you're my friend. And I said to him, um, Well, you you shouldn't be jealous because someday your dream will come true. Um, so just always be humble and yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just got to keep working at it, mm-hmm. and and uh, good things happen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Christian, thanks very much for your time. It's been really nice speaking with you. And um, I look forward to watching you on TV. Yeah, yeah,
2: I can't
0: wait to see it. Yeah, well, neither can I. The very best of luck with it. And I, I will try and check out um, the superhero thing you did with Emmy Beck- Rickards. Sidekicks, that's it, yeah. Anyway, thanks so much.
2: See Bye.
0: This is Mark Wade. Hi, this is
2: Amanda
0: Tapping. Hello, I'm Steve Pugh.
1: You can catch them all right here on SFP
0: Now. And, you know, we'd like to thank Christian for his time there. You know, sort of like he, he was really a sweet kid. Very, very professional. I was really impressed with him. Um, now it's time for our uh, TV Talk segment, as well as a new segment rolled into one with myself and Raisa. Raisa, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. I'm I'm good, too. I'm good, too. Um, so uh, what are we talking about today?
1: Let's see. We're talking about I think you wanted to talk about Once Upon a Time, time after time. And a third thing I can't
0: remember. We'll get to it. I was thinking, you know, for the sake of having a bit of fun, maybe maybe retro TV shows, because we're coming up to a bit of a bit of a break with, uh, with, with a lot of the shows that are on. Um, let's start off with, with uh, Once Upon a Time. It sucks. End of conversation.
1: Yeah, the the only thing that saves it um, is the casting. You remember Heroes, right? I I do. Okay, Okay. think of Once Upon a Time as Heroes with fantasy elements. It literally has all the same structural problems Um, with a cast it doesn't deserve that's been helping um, to yank the scripts out of the fire.
0: The only thing I've really enjoyed about this season is we've had the Evil Queen back. Yes, and, you
1: know, and, and, and Lana Peria just kills it with she, every iteration of that. So awesome
0: she does, and she, you know, it's great when they make her up because when they make her up, she actually looks like the Evil Queen from from the Snow White film. Yes, from the end, yes. you know, it's um, you know, it's just a ring, it's a really, really good look for her. You know, she 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 was in a bar here in, in um in, in the UK or a pub and she she was she was dressing like that, all the men would run out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Don't mess yeah. with the evil queen, sort of thing. Um yeah. but you know, she's been good. Um the 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 arc concerning hook Oh no, I killed him my my future father in brother. Yeah. I, I just think suck it up. You know, let them know and and face face consequences. But instead, he's running away with Captain Nemo and an Artemis
1: Yeah, by the same token, Captain Nemo is played by Ferran Tahir, who to is absolutely rocking it and, and and worth watching just for that. So
0: yeah, I mean, I think they should just sound like end Once Upon a Time and do do a Captain Nemo series, which is something that's never been done successfully on Tangovision.
1: No, they've done of the original books but they've
0: never actually done an ongoing series i would actually watch that i, I would and it's something that they could do well i mean sort of like um you know in, because they'd, they'd have a lot more scope with it than they than they ever had with uh it'd be something like voyage to the bottom of the sea or or sequest dsv but maybe with a little bit more scope to it yes yes you know um yeah the the, the only sort of person that you know the people that don't particularly impress me once Once Upon a Time is a uh, Snow White and Charming, you know. But the, the this this year's story arc, it's been a bit here, there, and and everywhere, and all over the place. It's it's getting tired, and I'm really resentful and disliking the show because, you know, maybe it's partly responsible for the reason that uh, Time After Time's been cancelled.
1: I was going to say, um, having Once Upon a Time as a lead-in was was probably not the best uh, choice ever. By the same token, I think they were thinking in a better world that, that Time After Time would eventually replace Once Upon a Time because this is technically the last season of the main arc and if it's renewed, they're going to do a time jump or something and, and, start, and start something else.
0: Mm, well, the unfortunate thing is, you know, so like... Um when they started doing uh, Once Upon a Time, they, they, they were a bit reluctant, you know, they were a bit concerned about having it on a Sunday night because Sunday night isn't really prime time, isn't it? It's, it's prime no. time, but it, it's not, not really a good night for for ratings on, on television. And, you know, and, and then then Once Upon a Time, they, they put it on and it kicked ass in the ratings sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but it's no longer kicking ass, unfortunately. So I think there's that, and there's also the fact that they, I think they kind of took a chance putting time after time on the Sunday and might have done better if it was given a weekday slot.
1: Well, I think the original plan was to give it a weekday slot, but something changed. Um, something changed um, uh, bureaucratically, and they decided to shuffle the schedule. Mm. I think it was, cause I think it was supposed to go on Wednesday originally.
0: Okay, well, um, you know, given that we've kind of segued onto it, uh, what are your impressions of a uh, Time After Time so far? Because I'm actually liking it.
1: I, I, I um, really enjoyed what I saw. Unfortunately, they're not even going to air the remaining episodes.
0: They're not. They're
1: not going to air them.
0: So, um, it's not going to be on tonight.
1: It's not going to be on tonight. They've literally just scrapped it. They're not even going to burn them off,
0: apparently. Oh, oh, that's ridiculous! That is absolutely ridiculous. No,
1: that's that's insane. Because even because even if they weren't, because even if we weren't going to get a second season, I at least wanted to make it through the current arc.
0: Yeah, because so like uh, we were left on a, you know, we were left with a bit of a cliffhanger last week. You know, sort of like uh, they cut ca- they they captured John Stevenson and. And 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 everything else, and we had all the sort like the, the Doctor Maru, sort of like uh, storyline spinning out. I, I just wanted to see what happened, and yeah, yeah, because you
1: know, this week's episode was going to be the the week where where the good where the good guys found out about them, and and uh, were on the run from them, and all, all kinds of stuff. So that yeah. just
0: sucks. Yeah, I wonder if they, I wonder if will get a release on DVD, or if they just sort like throw it Netflix's way or something. I. I'm hoping that they'll at least throw them them on iTunes. Because
1: I've seen them them burn shows off on iTunes before. Mm. Um, I'd I'd use gift certificates and money to to pay to watch the end of that. But I I honestly don't know what's going to happen. You know they're desperate when they're not even going to burn off episodes they already have and have already paid for.
0: Yeah, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous because what are they going to replace it with?
1: Um, I'm sorry to say they're replacing it with a game show
0: well that that's that's exactly it they're replacing it with a fucking game show, yeah you know um it's just um it's it's just ridiculous um yeah i'm, I'm really I'm really upset about that because you know I was yeah. quite enjoying i was quite enjoying recapping those bloody things and, and and stuff yeah
1: you're gonna you're gonna have to talk to monsters and critics because you're down a job
0: basically. no no, I'll find another job this prison break coming on this week. I'll probably start doing that okay, cool. um. I doubt that will get (laughs) cancelled, you know. Although you don't know, I mean, it is Fox. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that sucks. So um, you know what? What else um, should we talk? Should we talk about retro shows?
1: Yeah, you were telling you were telling me that you had uh, rediscovered Street Hawk.
0: Yeah, I I, I've been wanting to uh, you know check it out for quite some time because I remember watching it around about eighty seven. And I know it came out in '85 in in the states, but back in the '80s, there was sort of like, there was something like uh, maybe a year to two year lag before before we got uh. the American shows. Uh. And I remember Streetheart coming on, sort of like uh, probably the uh, the autumn of '87. Um, uh. Might might be in '86 actually. And um, I remember we were actually moving house at the time it came on, and uh, it was actually uh, it was it was a fun show. But I've been been rewatching it and um I I can kinda see why it didn't ring and asked the uh the, the whole se- you know, for a for a whole series for for t- for more than more a couple of seasons, because the stories just seem to be the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um a lot of the eighties shows were formulaic, but Street Hawk probably even more so, because of budget.
0: Mm-hmm. And and they use stock footage as well from the pioneer. Uh, when, whenever Jesse, sort of like, launched the bike out of the uh, out of the base, um, there was there was a few fun Star Trek references in it. You know, song sort of like when 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 Jesse's first discovers the base when he's introduced to in and Norman introduces him to the bike and everything. It he goes, oh man, this is like the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. And I thought, wow, that's sort of like uh, a precursor to Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right yes. there, yeah. um, be, you know, because you know, so it just shows you how how embedded in popular culture Star Trek was back in the uh, back back in the mid eighties, you know, oh, wow. and yeah. and also early seventies for it to be referenced in 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 a TV show. I mean, I I loved the relationship between between Norman and and Jesse in, in in the thing, and and the bike was fantastic, but and and the science fiction elements were fun, but it's sort of like. Um, you could kind of predict the way the story was going to play out in each episode. Um, Uh. Jesse would take something personally. They'd they'd go after it. They'd catch the villains and they'd use the, uh, they'd use the, you know, the the incredible speed uh, control of the bike that makes it hit 300 miles an hour at least once (laughs) in every episode. And, And they'd make, they'd make kind of a big deal of it. I mean, because, you know, it kinda kind of became like their version of the turbo boost in Night Rider. But, I was
1: gonna say that was my that was my
0: next comment. But but in Night Rider they didn't I don't record them ever using the turbo boost in every episode because the car had all sorts of other cool things going on, not not to mention the fact that it could talk.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: You know, so but but it was it was kind of fun, you know, um, have, having a geek teamed up with a jock, <laughs> in in that the, you know, and and the uh, and, and the jock, uh, you know, trying trying to teach the geek to ring out and um, and um, sort of like um, you know do better with the women sort of thing. Uh-huh. And you know the the fun thing about the episode, the episodes I've seen so far. I mean, I've only watched the uh, first seven on the DVD. Um, is in the second episode, George is actually a guest star?
1: Oh wow! Yeah.
0: And you know he couldn't particularly act very well back then either. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was it was fun seeing him. You know he kind of plays Jesse's mate and goes way back, and he kind of turns bad. And um, you know, and and um, sorry sorry um, are you George Clooney fans? But his character dies in the end. Oh. So, so, yeah, that that happens. But yeah, I've been I've been rewatching that, and I think the next one, I think the next couple in in you know that I'll be adding to the connection of the uh, of retro TV shows because I I do have a connection. I've got Six Million Dollar Man, Buying It Woman, uh, the original Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, and stuff like that. But I think what I'm going to add is I'm, I'm maybe going to have take another look at Ardo Man, as well as Manimal.
1: You're Manimal. I adore it. There were only eight official episodes of that and a ninth one uh, because Manimal briefly appeared uh, with a daughter on an episode of Nighthawk.
0: Ah, Nighthawk. Yes, that, that, uh, that was the Glenn A. Larson show, wasn't it? That, yes, that came out yes. In
1: the and and, and, and Glen A. Larson um, briefly... And it briefly had follow up on Manimal on Nighthawk, mm-hmm. and, he, and he and he brought uh, and he brought uh, Simon McCorkindale back for it and everything, and, and a young young up and coming actress to play his daughter. And uh, it was it was nice. It was nice. It was like it was it, it was the one thing that kind of justified Nighthawk because it basically sucked as a series. So.
0: Mm, I mean, I, I remembered the theme tunes being good to these songs. I mean oh, they, were, they
1: were all. I, the 80s, the eighties 80s was a, a a boon time for um for TV theme tunes
0: yeah we don't we don't get theme tunes on TV shows anymore not really
1: we no because they because they they do they do a sort of passing couple of bars and then a whole bunch of credits at the beginning of the episodes and then if there's a theme tune it's either carried through the incidental music or at the end well, and we don't actually
0: you get it on ay five O.
1: Well that's, that's only I think the only reason they do that is because the Y Five O theme was so famous that they couldn't not do it.
0: Mm. Otherwise they probably would have chopped it too. Because it's it's a jazzed up version of the of the theme tune that, of the original that they have having a Y five O um but yeah. it's still, it's still yeah. as catchy as ever. Um yeah. But you know, the, the the Street Heart theme tune was good. Um yes. I, I enjoyed that, you know, it's like Sorry. But the um, I I find I found that I'm sorry to say this, but I found the inc- incidental music um, in it to be very very samey.
1: The incidental music in eighty shows, um, and I, I include Doctor Who in that when I
0: say it, um, mm. did get very samey and very and very synth driven. Mm, well, yeah, we are really really synth driven in Street Hawk uh, because yeah. it was Tangerine Dream that did a lot of the a uh, lot of the music. Oh. Okay, for, for so that speed. explains that,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but, you know, the, uh, I like the main theme tune of it, but um, the, the the incidental music, unless guess were using the rock song or some variation of, uh, of popping a music song, was very, very samey. So, is there any shows that you particularly enjoyed that, that you'd like to talk about from, from way back?
1: Ah, oh, let's see... Um... Since we're on a fairy tale theme, because I, I know that you're, you're you're rewatching Tenth Kingdom, back in the '80s during the the dawn of cable, like literally the dawn of cable, back when they just started HBO. Mm-hmm. Shelley Duvall, as a, a vanity project, got all of her famous friends together and did Shelly Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. Mm. And uh, my favorite four episodes are, they were literally just, they were, they were standalone episodes that were just straight up adaptations of famous fairy tales. And my, my favorite four that I own, cause there, there are like 24 of them in the series and I, I own four of them. Um, she did Beauty and the Beast with Susan Sarandon and Klaus Kinski. Mm-hmm. She did uh, Sleeping Beauty with... Uh, Bernadette Peters, who was given a song, cool. and Christopher Reeve, who played her prince, and uh, and and it's it's actually kind of bittersweet watching him play the prince because he really did look like a Disney prince, <laughs> he mm. really really did, and uh, and uh, um, Beverly D'Angelo as the wicked fairy, and Carol Kane as the good fairy,
2: cool. and yeah, really good, really good casting, and uh, Renee
1: O'Barishenwa. Uh, is her father the king? And then Snow White, you've got no less than Vanessa Redgrave as the wicked queen.
0: That's great. And,
1: oh my God, she owned it. I mean, she and she's one of the and she and she and she wiped the floor with anything that Lana Perea is doing. And I, and I don't mean that you know to be mean. It's just because she's a Redgrave, she really just went for it. And uh, so it's it's uh, Vanessa Redgrave as the wicked queen. Um, a pre-Downton Abbey Elizabeth McGovern as Snow White, who really looked like Snow White. Um, they actually got dwarves as the dwarves. Uh, they got Rex
0: Smith as the as a singing prince, Rex mm. Smith
1: of Pirates of, of Penzance fame. That's um, how far yeah. back
0: this is. Also sort of Streetheart fame. Oh, because he played yes, Jesse Mack. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I had completely forgotten that that was him. Yeah. Yeah. So nice segue okay yeah so rex smith and it was really sweet and then uh the one, other one i own even though thumbelina is not one of my favorite fairy tales as is the fairy tale theater adaptation of it is absolutely adorable because no less than carrie fisher is thumbelina
0: oh that's that's kind of bittersweet right there you know. it's, it's bittersweet it can... but she
1: she does really well and she gets this song she gets a song that she sings, and uh, William Catt of Greatest American Hero fame is the flower prince that she marries at the end, and uh, he's, he's absolutely adorable in it, and the the antiquarian mole that she gets sidetracked by in the middle of the story is played by no less than Burgess Meredith,
0: oh, man. and,
1: and he's in, he, plays, he plays an antiquarian mole with a, with a uh, library whose motto is, if it's good enough for Caesar, it's good enough for me. And he and he sings this absolutely adorable song against progress, and absolutely just camps it up. If you can get Fairy Tale Theater on any of your any of your British streaming services or variations thereof, please try because it it's really very dear. It's the whole the whole the whole series is very dear.
0: It's doubtful. Um, I mean, I don't think it ever got released here in the UK for a start. Um, I, think it, I think it was one of those uh, one of those shows that got, that got passed by uh, here. I mean, there was, there was quite a lot of them, to be honest. I mean, I was watching uh, a YouTube video of a lot of shows from the 80s, and there was probably at least maybe five or six that i seen that didn't, didn't get, get any traction here in the UK whatsoever. Mm, okay. You
1: might be able to find them illegally. Or, or talk to people to find them because they're really quite wonderful. And mm-hmm. what it is is she she got all of her famous friends together, and these are big names like um, Pre Peewee Herman, Paul Rubens played Pinocchio. Okay, and he, he basically tested the Peewee voice with the Pinocchio character, and uh, and you had he had all kinds of things, and you had uh, you know. You yeah, had um, Matthew Broderick as the Prince in Cinderella, opposite Jennifer Beals, you know, Flashdance era Jennifer Beals.
0: Yeah, that, that was when she was hot. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Although she's she's not unhot now, she's just aged,
0: you know. Yeah, she, she's looking pretty good for her age now, i got, I got to give her that, because I did see her a couple of years ago in one, one of those uh, television Christmas movies that they, that mm, they put out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I saw her most recently at a, a guest stint on Castle. I think she, mm-hmm. yeah, she played some character. Yeah. And um, yeah, and the the, the whole premise um, of fairy tale theater, from from the casting standpoint, was that she relied on on typecasting. She went with the assumption that a little bit of typecasting was actually a very good thing. Like the um, the Snow White episode featured um, Mike Preston a British character actor who often played heavies
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: as the huntsman. And the evil queen played by Vanessa Redgrave sends him out very specifically to kill Snow White, as the huntsman is sent out to do. And he gets to, he gets to play the hitman who redeems himself when he lets her go. And you got the sense that that was partial commentary on all the typecasting that he had been <clears throat> dealing with up to that point. Absolutely. Because they they, they they swerved right into the typecasting curve with him and with other roles like that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's um it sounds like it was a really good show. I mean, you know, I'm 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 sort of like tempted to uh you know ha have, have a have a gander for it, see so if could find it.
1: Track it Somewhere. down because it's really cool. It's it's one of those shows where it's not arced. They're standalone episodes. One one episode, one story per. So you can pick them off as you have time and not actually miss anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and there there, there were twenty four. Yeah, I think it was twenty four individual episodes of that done over. I think it was like three or four years because it was a vanity project in the proto days of cable, and she would run run out of money. Yeah. And have to take breaks and then come back and do a few more.
0: I mean, the, one, the one thing that I, you know, that I've been thinking about today is, um, you know, time after time being cancelled sucks. Oh, big time. Um, I, can, I but, can't even. You know, but the, um, the whole thing is, um, do you remember Cheers? Yes. And when Cheers came on, that, that didn't get very good ratings or very no, good it, it would have
1: been it would have been cancelled. It, it wouldn't have survived in today's environment. The only reason Cheers survived is because NBC gave it the time to find its legs
0: mm-hmm. And and um and, and I think I think you know T V networks need to start doing that again because um, yeah, nothing's gonna
2: survive if they nothing's
0: don't. Nothing's gonna survive if they don't. And also the point is um on CBS we've got macgyver which is basically Hawaii 5.0 and uh, NCIS. It's the same formula for each show. Even yes. though it shows, you know, sort of like it's supposed to be different, has a different name, different soundtrack, and, and what have you. It's the same formula because if you look at oh. NCIS uh, Los Angeles, you've got Hetty, who's sort of like the eccentric character of oh. that show. And in in the um, in Hawaii Five O, you got the new new woman Matty who's the eccentric character of that show, and and uh, all the audio main characters are quite straight sort yeah. of thing. Um, and you know, it, it's 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 exactly the same format. It's like it's like virtually CBS is running a clone factory for action shows.
1: And the thing is, they're happy to do that, but the fact that they're doing that. Um... Now explains why they why they're shunting the new Star Trek off onto the stream onto their new streaming service because mm. the new Star Trek doesn't belong on the network as it exists now.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a um, it, it, it's 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 indictment of a um, of of of, of present day television ring really, that they don't give things a chance to to uh to get going and um, and things that they that they that do get going are usually very much the same as what's gone before uh there's not or
1: very much... or or if, or if they do get going they run too long like once upon a time.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's not really anything unique about these shows no. anymore whereas back in the 80s, you know, every show, you know, was unique. I mean even the Far Guy, you know, yes. was was a unique show. Yes. Um, yeah.
1: I, and I quite enjoyed it. And uh, the show, the shows that we grew up on were shows that they took chances on. And and then and they took time to let them breathe. And I think part of it is that there were only three networks back then, and they and they could afford to do so. I, th- I think I think that they I think that the the industry is basically running scared. Mm. I think I think I think part of the problem, and I'm I'm going to just say this: part of the problem is that the streaming services, as awesome as a lot of the streaming service content is, the streaming services are themselves a band aid. And I think and I think the the industry is beginning to realize even that. And that eventually the streaming services will not be enough and they'll have to move on to the next thing on top of that. And I think that they're just really, 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 really fracking scary.
0: Mm. I, I, think. Know, I, I, think, I think Netflix and Amazon, that's the future. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: yeah maybe not ex- exactly as they exist now, but variations on the theme. But yeah. you, you can tell that even Netflix and Amazon are having some growing pains. But it's going to take them a few more years to get to get
0: exactly where uh, they need to go. Well, one last thing I'd like to discuss before we uh, wrap things up is um, Doctor Who's coming back soon, yes. and um, you know, probably by the time we get our second episode of uh, of April out, uh, the first episode of the new Doctor Who series will have aired. Mm. No, I am sort of looking at an article and i seeing some pictures, and I gotta say, it looks like it's gonna be, a, it looks like we're gonna be in for a pretty awesome season because I just seen some photographs of the uh, of the original Mondasian uh, Cybermen. Oh God,
1: yes! Capaldi has, has begged them for the Mondasian Cybermen forever, and they're finally giving them to him. Yeah, like thank you, thank I, you. I, I you
0: hope think, they, yeah. I hope that they continue to use them. Yes. um because really, um you know the they they, they kind of missed the trick when they reimagined the cybermen back in back in 2005 or 2006 whenever it was they, um, they dumbed them down big they, time. They, 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 they 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 dumbed them down big time as you said and you know i i still think what what they should do is they should do variation on spare parts from big finish because that was absolutely fantastic yeah. yeah although i
1: i would i would say that that the, the BBC would argue that the season two two-parter that reintroduced the Cybermen was their variation of spare parts. If it was, it was a very sad variation.
0: It was it was a, it was very lacking variation because you didn't have the Cybermats. You didn't have the uh, the little girl that want, wanted nothing more but to become a Cyberman. Uh. If you remember because that was what she was sort of like. That was sort of like the environment she was raised around, and that was what she was sort of like aspiring to be yeah uh yeah. um, see so you remember in the in, in in the um in the big finish, audio they they, they were actually sort of like celebrating every time they got a new 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 appendage added to them yeah, yeah you know um, yeah. that's what they should do they should they should actually do that with the cybermen um would uh-huh. make them a lot more interesting but you know from what what i've seen i'm 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 quite looking forward to it i'm hopeful i'm yeah. also a little sad that this is gonna be peter Capaldi's last season. I am too because
1: he is my modern doctor, and I feel like he would have done so much better if he'd gotten better writing. Moffat really let him
0: down. I think Moffat Ring really let him down in 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 his first season. I think his second season was actually really good. You know? it, it
1: was significantly better. Um, I will I will um, we'll know you know what he goes out on. What's interesting is the Mondasian Cybermen are the two episode finale before the Christmas special in which he regenerates. Mm. hmm so he's he's going to be going out with the Mondassian
0: Cybermen, basically, uh, and uh, and that's that's going to be
1: quite a swan song, especially since they were Capaldi's pet monsters.
0: It and could they, they, be they owed him that. It could actually be a good omen as well, because yeah. if you look at it, uh, Hartnell went out on the Mondassian Cybermen. Then we have got Troughton, yes. who, who really reinvigorated the Doctor and reinvented him, and um, and and really, um, you know. Um, many 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 uh, uh, sites that don 't buy into the uh, fanboy and fangirl crap of of David Tennant and Matt Smith being the best doctors because they they 're young and sexy and whatnot um, a lot of a lot of sites uh, actually rate uh, Patrick Troughton as the best doctor uh, for, that that for that very reason for that very reason because he he ringing really the, the groundwork and picked the picked the baton up. From 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 Hartnell and um, and shown that 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 you could actually reinvent the same character and,
1: yes, and did yeah. it successfully.
0: And, and, and the subsequent Doctors after him were either going with
1: that grain or against it, but they always had to re- to choose their performance level choices relative to him.
0: Yeah. yeah. What well, the been being being his last adventure? If he regenerates or starts to regenerate in that in the season finale to uh, open the door. I think actually for. he's gonna regenerate the Christmas bird, yeah. Mm. But I was just yeah. gonna say if he regenerates in the season finale and mm-hmm. and, and um or, or sort of like um you know like at the start of the Christmas one, it, it could be a good omen. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. For the new doctor. Because we've got a new we've got a new producer in Chris Chibnall who's got form. You know, he's he's done broad church which is hugely popular. Yes. So so he can do straight drama but he also did he actually uh show ran the entire second season of Torchwood.
1: Yes, and the second season was arguably better than the first, although not quite as good as Children of Earth.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Well, you know Ch- Children of Earth was really more of a mini series than it was a a television series. Yeah. The, and things, and yeah. yeah but the,
1: the second series was better. Um I really, yeah, they did there is some strong stuff in the second series, so this is a guy who can do it. Um for Legends fans, Legends of Tomorrow fans who might not realize um, the the fact that Chris Chibnall is becoming a showrunner uh, for, for for Doctor Who off of Broadchurch is part of the reason why we didn't get uh, more uh, Arthur darbel in season two of Legends is because Chibnall needed to get his final season of Broadchurch completed. Before he could make the transition to showrunner for Doctor Who, which meant getting Arthur Darville, Arthur Darville back to film whatever um, <clears throat> whatever sequences his character was needed for uh, before they could do that. And so that's why we got less of Arthur Darville in season two. Mm.
0: And that said, it's actually a testament to the casting of uh, Legends of Tomorrow that they've actually managed to sort of keep things interesting and keep the bar going without Darville.
1: I was going to say, because, I mean, we're talking about two different shows filmed across the Atlantic, and they managed to coordinate in such a way that Legends was not thrown, thrown to the trash heap because mm. one cast member went bye-bye, which is really impressive.
0: Okay, well, I think that's about it for this week. And you is there anything else about the new Dot 2 you're particularly looking forward to? I'm,
1: um, they've announced that Bill will be the first... Um, they're calling her the first gay companion, uh, and they're, they're doing that for PR purposes. I wanted to bring that up because the PR does not work for me. I'm fine with her being gay. What I'm not fine with is they're calling her the first gay companion, and they're, and they're parsing it by saying that, that she's the first gay regular companion. But Jack counts, mm. and, and I think they're splitting hairs so they can have a discussion
0: point. Probably. And, you know, I kind of I've got to wonder if her being the first gay companion is kind of like a segue in for them to maybe cast the first female doctor.
1: I've seen that speculation elsewhere and it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. And if they do that, I hope they get a good actress. I hope they get something. Someone. If they can't get Tilda Swinton, who I really want, uh, they need to get someone Tilda Swinton esque.
0: Yeah, if they do my... that, if they do that, they better damn well get a good actress because the, you know. Because the fact of the matter is, they're rewriting the canon in order to song like a uh-huh. Um, You know, as I as I am always arguing, and I really despise the fact that they keep doing this. Yes. You know to you know because Romana was a female Time Lord.
1: Yeah, and I do not want a male Romana. I will tolerate a female doctor. I do not want a male Romana. No. I will not
0: call him Roman. It's not going to work. Well, they we won't do it anyway because they, they seem to completely disregard anything from the classic run of the series. You know, from that night. I mean, for God's sake, uh, Stephen Moffat refused to uh, bring back the Rani because he didn't think she was very good and i'm inclined to agree with him but just because some some a character wasn't very good the first time out doesn't mean that you can't reinvent it to actually be better in in you know in in the modern incarnation yeah
1: and a modern ronnie would have been actually quite
0: interesting i would have thought i i I would have thought as well because really the time when the ronnie came out was uh you know when big hair and shoulder pads are in and and um and in that particular era of Doctor Who, it was still sort of like um, the you know, it was still sort of like high camp in the eighties, sort of yeah, thing, yeah. And, and that's how she played it, and and that's how the how the master played it to a certain degree. But he got away with it because you know they had form prior prior yeah. to that with the uh, Delgado, yes, sort of thing. yeah. Um, but yes, that that's another conversation entirely. Um, but you know, I, I think it's probably time to wrap up now. Um, yes. Before we do wrap up, um, I'm actually um, if you guys actually watch Super Geeked Up at All, um, I'm actually on the latest edition of the uh, DC Action Hour with uh, Jeff Burns and and Matt Spile. So you guys might want to check that out. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Cool. I'm going to be doing something very, very interesting by recapping, uh, legends of tomorrow. Okay. But, you know, anyway, that's all for this week. Uh, we've got a great interview coming up, um, next time, um, with, um, uh, a producer by the name of Adi Shankar, uh, who was involved in the, uh, in the judge dread movie back in ni- back in 2012. And he's also uh, producing the uh, new Netflix series, uh, Castlevania. So um, we will have uh, Addy on uh, next time. So bye for now.